It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Look, I I was told there wasn't going to be math. That I I wouldn't have to add things and and all that, but the fact of the matter is the math for the Orlando Magic is really, really tough. And and a game as extreme as Wednesday's loss to the Milwaukee Bucks shows just how tough it is. Welcome to a new class of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is March 2nd, 2023. My name is Philip Ross Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the Orlando Magic's math gets really difficult as their path to victory is a very, very narrow one. We'll get to how the Milwaukee Bucks exploited this weakness, plus why the Magic are just not really in their class. And why we shouldn't really consider the Milwaukee Bucks game much at all. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. The Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. You probably, I'm a big game guy. Um, So we go through the box score every game. We try and glean things. We try and find patterns uh, for success for this Orlando Magic team. And, you know, especially early in the season when those patterns are developing, you start to like kind of grab for everything. But by this point of the season, we know what Orlando's path to victory is. We know what an Orlando Magic victory looks like, and we know what stats 
need to be in the Magic's favor in order for them to get a win. And this is regardless of the opponent. The mag- if the Magic win the, point in the pa- points in the paint battle, if the Magic win the free throw battle, if the Magic limit their turnovers, there's a pretty good chance the Magic are going to win that game. Um, their defense is usually good enough to hold a team to a respectable respectable uh, margin uh, and put the Magic in a good spot to win. At least give them a chance to win late in games where you know their late game execution might falter, where they might have a turnover at the wrong time. They at least give themselves a real chance to win games. Um, and, and, and like I've said, I know I've used this analogy a million times. I know I used it a ton during the Steve Clifford era. era. I know I've started to, to, to say it here. There's like those three those three things that I mentioned before. There's probably like five or six things that the Magic have to do to win games. And right now, they could probably do three or four of them and be okay. Last year, they needed to do five or six of them to be okay and to, and to get wins. The margin for error is much wider now um, because of the talent the Magic have and because of their ability to stay in games. And really, uh, it's a credit to, to so many things. It's a credit to the players. It's a credit to the coaching staff. This team has taken some real steps and some real growth. But then there are just things where the, the, the hill is still too steep to climb. Where there's just one thing that it, 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 it makes it so much harder for this team particularly to make that uphill climb to a victory, to a win. And look, I will sit here and say the Orlando Magic did a lot of really good things in their loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. I would even venture to say they did some good things and had some really good stretches defensively in their loss to the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. But the fact of the matter is, and this is honestly, this this happened. I I, I literally came I literally came home uh, after after writing my article. I played a game of two K, and the exact same thing happened. And it's something I accept in that game because it's a video game. I don't care. But they're just simply, it's just simply impossible to compete in the NBA. At the highest levels, you know, gets a team like Milwaukee that's winning a champion, it's competing for a championship. It's impossible in the NBA to compete at the highest levels and give up the three-point deficit the Magic give up. Quite simply, the math doesn't work. It's the the, the best analogy I could think of, of is go back to election night, go back to like all the analysis that 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 all the broadcast networks give. There is a path to victory. There is simply, we have to get this state, we have to get this state, we have to get this state. The electoral map is the perfect analogy. Because if you say you lose Florida's 26 electoral votes, or 28 now, I forget what what the number is now. You lose those electoral votes, it suddenly becomes a lot harder to get to the 270 that you need to become president. That's what it feels like for the Orlando Magic in every game especially with the team's three-point shooting. It becomes extremely difficult for the Magic to not not stay competitive, but to win consistently because teams can make up so much ground based off their three-point shooting. Look, this has been a problem for a long time, and the Bucs pressed that problem to an extreme. Orlando shot shot better than 50% from the floor in that first half. They were really humming offensively, but they gave up 15 three-pointers. That's how much Milwaukee averages in a game. They average around 14 per game. They're one of the most high-volume three-point shooting teams in the league. 
the Magic, to their credit, honestly, are not a high-volume shooting team. They aren't hunting for threes. They average a little bit more than 30 per game. And understandably, and that's understandable because they're not a great shooting team. But when the Bucks make 15 of 26 in the first half, and Orlando makes 6 for 12, which is a good number for Orlando, there's just it's just hard for this team to make the difference. And the reason why Milwaukee was able to lower the hammer down and put this game so firmly out of reach was, yeah, they, they still kept making threes. Milwaukee finished a game 26 for 56 on three-pointers. So that means they made 11 more threes in the second half. 11 for 30, which is not a terrible percentage but defensively. Orlando made just 9 for 33 for the game. They only made three more three-pointers. And, again, the big reason why I think Orlando fell apart a little bit is they started settling for threes, going 3 for 21 uh, in the second half. This was an extreme example. Making 26 threes, some nights there's not much you can do. And, you know, I think Cole Anthony said it. I think Javel Mosley said it after the game. The defense wasn't as locked in as it needed to be. Um, their contests, their ability to close out on shooters, their ability to spray back out after they lock down the paint, which is the Magic's defensive strategy, wasn't particularly strong. I, I don't mean to single one person out, but I caught several instances where Paolo Bancaro was just a step slow getting out to his man, where he was digging into the paint like he should, like like the defense calls for, but then couldn't get back out to Joe Ingles in time to really contest the three, to really make a three uncomfortable, to chase a guy off the line. And then the Magic gave up transition threes off their turnovers, and then the Magic had a couple instances where they weren't able to get 50-50 rebounds, and Milwaukee was able to get wide-open feet set threes. This is who the Bucks are. It's not terribly surprising. It's not wholly unusual. But the problem is, this is normal. This is an extreme example, but this is normal that the Magic have to make up this ground. That the Magic have to face this really, really difficult math. And I want to talk, you know, the Bucks won 139-117. Blowout game. They're on a 16-game win streak. They're really freaking good. Like, the Magic are not in the same category of team as the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's okay. To beat, for, for a team like the Magic to beat the Bucks, they need to catch Milwaukee on a bad night. They need to do a lot of things really, really well. And, and obviously, that didn't happen. No shame in losing. No one should be too upset by this. Move on. They're really good playing at a really high level, and they ate up a team that kind of plays into their hands a little bit. But there are full season numbers that show that this math has been an issue throughout the year. And so I want to highlight those numbers a little bit before we dive into the box score and chat a little bit about the Magic's path to victory. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our friends at FanDuel. Hopefully my copy loads here because I would like to read you this wonderful, wonderful ad. First, a quick word from our pals at FanDuel. We are past the midway point of the NBA season, heading toward home the final quarter of the season 
And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, they still have Rookie of the Year odds, and while Paolo Bancaro is certainly the runaway favorite, Jaden Ivey's starting to creep up a little bit. Keegan Murray's starting to creep up a little bit. Maybe those odds are a little bit more favorable for the inevitable victory that Paolo Bancaro will have to win the Rookie of the Year award. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is Jake from LockedOn. LockedOn has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. this to sound like there isn't like a clear path for the Orlando Magic to win that that it's it's impossible for this team to win or it's it's such a high bar for this team to clear um this Magic team's really good um and are pretty good um and they have found a way to to win games but like I said the math is kind of the problem here and the math is really difficult at times for this team to take some of those necessary steps very few teams are going to make 26 threes on this team. But the fact of the matter is, the disparity, 26 threes to 9, that's 15 points. That's 45 points the Magic have to make up. And I even did my math wrong. Um, no, that's 15 points. No, is it? No, sorry. That's tw- I, can't, I can't math all of a sudden. That's 17 threes that the Magic have to make up. 17 threes. That's 17 times 3. I said there wouldn't be any math. 17 times 3 is 51. That's 51 points the Magic have to make up somehow. Like, that's that's impossible. Um, usually, you don't have to make up that many. But even on the averages, you see where the Magic struggle and why shooting is really the biggest piece that this team is missing. This is the uphill climb the Magic have. The Magic are currently 23rd in the league in three-point field goal percentage. No surprise there. They make 34.6% of their threes. That wouldn't be terrible if they shot more, but this team, I think, understands they're not a great three-point shooting team, and so they don't shoot a lot of threes. 
The team is 27th in attempts at 30.7 three-point attempts per game and 27th in makes at 10.6 per game. Keep those numbers in mind. This wouldn't be a huge issue if the Magic limited their opponents' three-point attempts. Orlando is 29th in the league, giving up 37.3 three-point attempts per game and 28th giving up 13.1 three-point makes per game. This essentially cancels out the fact that the Magic are actually a good three-point defensive team by percentage, giving up 35% shooting from deep. They're ninth in the league in three-point field goal deep three-point field goal percentage defense. But again, the raw numbers are simple. The Magic give up two and a half to three more three-pointers per game. That's, oh shoot, I can't, I, I gotta do that math now. That's seven and a half to nine more points. Again, doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're playing a lot of close games, seven and a half to nine points is a pretty significant number to make up. The Bucs are fourth in the league at three-point attempts per game at 40.4 per game. They make 14.6 per game. So like I said, extreme outlier from the Bucs, but they're going to take a lot of threes. And, you know, the Magic could beat the Warriors. They beat the Celtics. Those are high-volume three-point shooting teams. This was a tough ask for the Orlando Magic. This was a tough game for the Magic to, to really, you know, they, they needed some three-point luck and they got some really bad three-point luck. So, like I said earlier, it's not necessarily the results of this game that bother me so much. Teams get hot. It's the NBA. The Bucks are really good. But it's symbolic. It's like extreme example of the problem the Magic have had throughout the course of the year. They are a low-volume three-point shooting team, probably by design and probably a good thing considering their personnel. But they give up so many threes, they cancel out a lot of their advantages. They cancel out a lot of things that do make them good. And granted, the Magic's focus defensively is on defending the paint. First and foremost, the Magic want to defend the paint. They want to keep up teams from scoring in the paint, and they feel confident that they can spray out to the three-point line and challenge three-point shots or chase teams off the three-point line. And where they've ultimately had some struggle is a two guys go into the ball when one needs to go to the, go to the rotate go to the ne- next ball rotation, um, or Sometimes they're just a little slow getting back out there. They dig in too deep into the paint to stop paint points that kickouts set up really wide-open threes. That's that's part of the gamble the Magic make. And so, you know, you hope that as they improve their three-point shooting, as they get more shooters, that they'll be able to kind of knock out this difference a little bit. And, And when that happens, then we're cooking. But the bottom line is, Denver's another low 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 volume three-point shooting team. They're able to make up the difference with ruthlessly efficient offense. The Magic don't have a ruthlessly efficient offense to make up for all the threes that they're giving up. But there is still a path to victory, and that's really important to remember. The Magic do and can win these kinds of games. The Magic make up this difference through three things. Scoring in the paint with efficiency, winning the paint battle, getting to the foul line, and limiting their turnovers and winning the fast break break, fast break battle. They've, this has been a bit of a mixed bag. Orlando is 17th in the league in points per paint per game. They outscore their opponents 49.1 to 47.9 per game in the paint this season. So again, something's working there. It could be better, but something's working there. The team is third in the league in free throw rate at 30%. So essentially, you're taking three free throws for every 10 field goals they take. First time the Magic have been in the top, first time the Magic have been outside of the bottom 10 since Dwight Howard. That this is where Paolo Bancaro has really made a huge difference for this team. 
And turnovers have been the biggest struggle, but the Magic are getting better in that category. Orlando currently ranks 26th in the league in turnover rate at 15.2%. They get outscored 14.9 to 12.5 points per game on fast breaks, but things are getting better in that front. Again, Wednesday's loss was an extreme example of how big this hill is climb because Orlando did a lot of things they usually need to do to win games. They beat Milwaukee 56-38 to in the paint. And scoring 56 points in the paint against Milwaukee is a really impressive thing. 28 for 44 uh, in the paint. They did well. They outshot the Bucks at the foul line 29 to 19, making 22 of those 29. So get maybe left some points on the board, but they got to the foul line in, in a major way. And the Magic honestly didn't even struggle with turnovers. They only had 13 turnovers in the game, but they came in such critical moments, and Milwaukee punished the Magic for every turnover, scoring 26 points off 13 turnovers. Essentially, what I'm saying here is Wednesday night, the math should have added up for the Magic. Wednesday night, the Magic should have come away with a win. They should have, they did a lot of the things they need to do to make up for, to make up for not having, uh, you know, not having uh, the three-point shot. But the three-point difference was so extreme that it didn't matter. And there are far too many games exactly like this. Obviously, there is only one solution to this problem, and it's not one they're going to solve this year, save for playing Chuma OKK a little bit more because Bull Bull's three-point shot has left him, or trying Caleb Houston out there a little bit more, a little bit more of a... Uh, not established shooter, but a, a, a guy who is a better shooter. The only way the Magic are going to resolve this is to get more shooting. Plain and simple. The Magic need more shooting. And once they get that, they will be in a better spot to win these kinds of games. They will be in a better spot to make up this difference, and the math won't be so hard. We're going to go through the final box score, talk a little bit about individual performances from Wednesday's game before we throw it in the trash. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Orlando Magic fall to the Milwaukee Bucks, 139-117. to Look, I agree with the Magic carrot, with the, Ma- with the Magic players, with Cole, with, with, Mo- with Jamal. Um, they said that the defense was not as sharp as it needed to be. And, and I, would, I would agree with that. Um, I thought they were late getting out, getting out to shooters at times. Um, just a step late, not even that, that late. Um, their strategy to dig into the paint 
I think that's a really good strategy. I think it's really good that the Magic have that focus, but it does expose them a little bit. It does expose them a little bit to this three-point problem that I'm describing. It's why they give up so many three-pointers. Um, so I, I think some tweaking might be needed there, but it's good for this young team to really have that focus, have that energy, and, and bet that, you know, it's going to be tougher to make threes than, than anything else. So I, I don't hate the Magic strategy there. I don't hate the decisions that the Magic are making there. But, um, you know, look, I, I'm not going to lie that I think I, I think that, that part of their three-point problems that I've just described are a little bit schematic. Um once you get into kind of a track beat, it's really hard to kind of track yourself defensively. And, you know, Milwaukee could easily bet that Orlando was going to make mistakes. And, and, and that's really how this game turned. The Magic couldn't keep up their offense. Milwaukee could. And Orlando just could not get themselves back into it defensively. And that's just the biggest key for this team and the biggest key uh, for this group to, to make significant improvements is they have to defend at a high level. So let's dive into the box score real fast. Um, Cole Anthony led the team in scoring with 28 points, 10 for 16 shooting, 3 for 7 from deep, 5 for 7 from the line, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, just 1 turnover. Cole Anthony was fantastic. Um, Second quarter went on this huge run, got the Magic the lead after they were trailing for most of the game, just really playing confidently, finishing with creativity around the basket, you know, got stuck a few times, was able to kind of use his pivot foot to create some space, get toward the basket, finish around bigger players, like, when Cole Anthony plays like this, the Magic are a really difficult team to play. Um, and the bench roll certainly helped him play like this, but just a, a really fantastic game from Cole Anthony. Just a really fantastic effort from him. He really carried this team through long stretches offensively. And, you know, he just played hard all the time. He, you know, we all know his weaknesses at this point, but he does a great job playing through them. And I think that's that's really, I think he's obviously turned himself into a really nice player. Markel Fultz, 21 points, 9 for 14 shooting, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 turnovers. Markel had a solid game. Um, again, the Magic were able to attack off the dribble with those guys. Just really good putting pressure on the basket, I think. Um, you know, getting to his mid-range shot a little bit. Uh, you know, just, just an overall solid game for Markel. Like, he's able to put these scoring games together. Took a couple threes, was 1 for 2 from deep. So, you know, you, you see that confidence kind of building with him a little bit that he'll be able to hit threes. But again... Cole Anthony is the only guy making more than one three. Franz Wagner's one for three. Wendell Carter's one for four. Gary Harris is one for three. Jalen Suggs 0 for two. Mo Wagner 0 for two. Bull Bull 0 for two. Uh, just, the Magic just don't have enough shooting. I mean, it, they, they essentially made only eight threes in this game. Admiral Schofield hit a late three. So they, they, they've got to find shooting. Franz Wagner, 18 points, five for 11 shooting, one for three from deep, seven for eight from the foul line. He did have three turnovers as well. I thought he did fine um, getting to the basket, uh, especially in that second quarter. The second quarter when the Magic zoomed into the lead, uh, that was Franz Wagner to start, Cole Anthony to finish. Um, and just real, you know, Franz Wagner started by getting a few easy baskets, getting himself into rhythm. And honestly, I thought he disappeared. Um, you know, seven for eight from the foul line. Um, I thought, you know, he was able to get to the line a little bit, but I thought Franz disappeared too much. Um, you know, the Magic have to, like, make it a point to get him the ball more and to keep him involved in the offense and find ways to get him shots. Um, it's it's not just for his development. It's, it's he helps the team get going. He helps the team, you know, get into the paint, get downhill a little bit. And as he continues to improve as a playmaker, as a shooter, as a scorer, that's going to be an, that's going to be a safety valve for this team. And, and, you know, it's a common complaint. It's something we've talked about for a year, for a year now. Um, if not longer, you just got to keep Franz involved. Franz has got to have his opportunities and have his chance with the ball. Paolo Bancaro really struggled. Nine points, four for 13 shooting. 
Seven rebounds, five assists, four turnovers. The Bucs did a really good job doubling him. Um, he just was not recognizing where the double teams were coming from uh, and, and really how to handle it. Sometimes I thought he tried to force his way through too much. Um, uh, you know, he, he started settling for a shot, but the Bucs were bringing double teams pretty hard, even, even outside the three-point line, forcing the ball out of his hands, forcing him away from the free-throw line. Um, they did a really good job. They had a really good defensive play for him. Uh, and again, I see some people like freaking out over his over him struggling. I'm just like, this is this is what rookies go through. They have to learn these things. And especially a rookie like Paolo Bancaro, no other rookie's getting the kind of attention that he's getting defensively. Like, all due respect to Ben Matherin, all due respect to Jay Nivey, all due respect to Keegan Murray. There's a lot of really good rookies out there. And 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 this is not taking away from the progress that they've made. Paolo Bancaro is getting star treatment already. He is already getting star double teams. He's getting star treatment from everyone. So he's going to struggle a little bit through this, but it's all good. It's going to be good in the long run. Um, you know, again, like I said, uh, five assists for him. So he was, he was doing good things out there. Like I said, my biggest thing right now is his defensive attention to detail and defensive focus. Have to be a little bit better, but that only comes with experience. That only comes with seeing scenarios more and more and, and learning how to defend them. Wendell Carter, 19 points, 6 for 13, shooting 10 rebounds. Another really solid game on the interior for Wendell Carter. I thought that he did a good job going up strong at the basket. Um, you know, that Brooke Lopez guy is really tough to go up against. Um, I thought Carter did a good job being available for passes, being available at the rim, attacking the offensive glass. He had three offensive rebounds. Um, just a really solid game from him. Not a lot else to say about this game. Um, those were the big scores. Um, Jalen Suggs, I thought, did some nice energy things. Six points, three for nine shooting, five rebounds, uh, two steals. Um, you know, he he just mixes things up. He's a little bit of a chaos agent, but he's got to get that shot, shot down. Um, you know, whatever, it's not going to happen this year, obviously, but over the summer, he's got to be a more consistent jump shooter. That's that's the biggest thing holding him back and keeping him from kind of taking that next next step in his career. Orlando shoots 45.7% from the floor, 9 for, 20, 9 for 33 from beyond the arc, 22 for 29. From the foul line, they have 13 turnovers for 26 points. Milwaukee just murdered Orlando or killed Orlando. Um, neither of those words... No, either of those word choices work for me. Um, they did a really good job taking advantage of every every mistake the Magic made. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, 31 points, 10 for 14 shooting, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Or- Orlando didn't do a bad job with him, but he's Giannis. He's going to have big games. Drew Holiday, 23 points, 10 for 18 shooting, only 1 for 7 from deep. He was not the one that killed Orlando from deep. Instead, that was Pat Connaughton, 3 for 8. That was Giannis, 3 for 4. Brooke Lopez, 4 for 5. Grayson Allen, 4 for 8. Joe Ingles, 4 for 7. Two of those guys made more threes. Two of those guys combined made more threes than the Magic as a team combined. So like I said, the math is really difficult for this Magic team. They just can't keep up. They gave up 45 points in the second quarter, and that was the Magic's good quarter. They gave up 32 in the third, 31 in the fourth. Orlando just could not get their defense straight, and eventually they just ran out of gas and just got pummeled in the end. The Orlando Magic fall to the Milwaukee Bucks, 139 to 117. Ball that game up, throw it in the trash. It's done. We're heading to Charlotte on Friday to close this three-game road trip. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in Himley, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast enable listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Now that you're done listening to us, go check out the Locked On game-to-game NBA podcast on the Locked On NBA feed. All the analysis 
from every single game around the NBA from the local experts who know their team best can give you the best takeaways from every single game. Check it out today on the Locked On NBA feed on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you download podcasts. Locked On Game to Game NBA. Check it out today. That's going to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily, Locked On Magic, and Steve Fulton, and I can see you again next time for another episode. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.